From deep in the heart of the swamp, this is Gator Tales, the official podcast of the Florida Gators. Gator Tales is brought to you by UF Health, the official healthcare provider of the Florida Gators. Welcome to Gator Tales, Gator Greats. I'm your host, Adam Schick. On our last episode, we chronicled Florida's resilience following the promise, with dominant showings against Arkansas, LSU, and Kentucky getting their championship hopes back on track. And while the locker room was abuzz in part because of those impressive wins, that bye week energy was largely fueled by the pending opportunity for revenge. This is The Promise Fulfilled, Episode 3, Jacksonville Justice. By this point in the season, the arrow was trending up on the Gators, especially because of their blowout win over LSU in primetime that propelled them back into the top five in the nation. As Urban Meyer remembers it, that was the aha moment the team's championship potential became apparent. I think the LSU game was probably, that's when everyone, you know, you asked me a question about 06, did we ever realize when we beat LSU like that at home? Uh, that's when it, we all started to realize, wait a minute, we, this is a, not, not just a good team, an extremely talented team. For the voice of the Gators, Mick Hubert, he saw a team that had many of the other intangibles it takes to compete for a championship, especially when it came to readiness. You, you don't always want to peak on Friday morning or Friday afternoon when you're playing Saturday night. And, uh, and, and we, they, were always, they were always at an emotional fever pitch. And I give Urban Meyer and his coaching staff a lot of credit to that, as well as the players themselves, that they were ready to go and ready to play each one of those weeks. And so it was, it was, it was amazing. I, I know I, I had that feeling in, when Danny Werfel was there in the, in the spur years, 93 to 96, that I would go to the ballpark those years and, and figure there's no way we're losing. Now, obviously, we did lose a few games here or there along the way about that. We're not losing. Had that confidence. And that this is what was going on in that 08 season. Had that confidence that, this team is not losing today. We, we can almost call our number here today and call our score. That's kind of what they did. And that's remarkable. That's a remarkable contrast from the 06 champ, the way in which 06 was built and the way it was won sure. versus the way 08 was built and the way it won. Uh, and that's why I say you can't compare the two. They're both beautiful in their own right, but it's a very similar analogy to the basketball teams, the way 06 won versus the way 07 won. It was, it was quite an amazing two and a half years uh, in Gator athletics. On top of having a ridiculous amount of talent, this team also had drive. Some of that obviously came from the Ole Miss loss, but much of it had been simmering since October 28th of 2007, the day Georgia grabbed headlines not just for winning a rare game in the storied series, but for what they did after scoring the game's first points. Marino up over the top. Did he break the plane? Yes. Georgia touchdown. And here comes the entire team. Watch this for excessive celebration. We may have 15 hankies in the air on this one. I can't believe this. This was planned. This was absolutely planned. Mark Rick decided that he is going to try to fire his team up. He's tired of Florida having the psychological advantage. He's willing to give up the penalty. Look at that. That was a planned move. And look what Urban Meyer said. Let's go. These guys want to take us on. They're calling us out. Let's see if we can answer. 
For the mild-mannered Mark Rick to orchestrate a stunt like that was surprising to everyone, even a former Gator coach who was leading South Carolina at the time. Oh, I thought it was pretty stupid. <laughs> uh, I guess it really did uh, irritate uh, Urban and the, and the Florida team. I think that's the only year he lost to them, wasn't it, that year? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he was 5-1 and one against them. But he understood quickly that that was a game you do not want to lose if you're a Florida Gator. So that was the last one uh, that he lost there. So uh, I don't know if I've ever seen that. I, I know Lee Corso one time uh, when he was in Indiana, they scored a touchdown against Ohio State, and they were ahead 7-3. to three, And he ran the whole team down in front of the scoreboard to take a picture because he said, this may be the first and last time Indiana is ever ahead of Ohio State. <laughs> so, uh, and I, you know, I think they got beat about 62 to 10 or something oh, when wow. it's over. But at least he had a picture of one time they were ahead. So uh, maybe that, that that's not terrible if you do it under that, those circumstances. Whether it was a byproduct of that extra excessive celebration or not, Georgia won the day 42-30 to thanks to a bruising ground game that served as the unofficial coming out party for redshirt freshman Sean Moreno, who ran all over the Gators to the tune of 188 yards on 33 carries and three touchdowns. For junior linebacker Brandon Spikes and his returning teammates, the number 188 became a mandated obsession. One eighty eight was probably in the in the damn tray at the training table at the bottom of the food. One eighty eight they'd have a no Sean Marino picture in a in a pan of the food or in a stall. And yeah, he'd have it in a stall in a, in a, in the toilet with his picture in. Like that one hundred eighty eight rushing yards, like just to let you know, or on your lock or somewhere. Like it was all over the facility. It was everywhere in the coach's office. Like I couldn't couldn't miss it. And it, it was so embarrassing to me because I knew I was out there for that. I was out there all those snaps, letting this man run all down our throat. And I was like, and there's nothing we could do. We just had to sit there and take it. I remember that, being, you know, and everybody kept saying, well, we young, man, we young. I was like, no, that, I don't care. We just came from the national championship. A lot of these guys out here had, didn't play as much, but it's a boy that the older guys said, you know, we got to, we got to, you know, step it up. We got to, you know, live up to that every year. That's what it is. You come to Florida, this is what you're going to get. Everybody's best game. So quit all that. We young stuff. So, so whatever. All that went out the door. I know we did have a lot of sophomores out there. It don't that didn't matter to me anyway. We just wasn't ready to play in my eyes. And those guys came out and they was. It was just that simple. But the entire offseason, Mickey Marotti, the entire staff was just 188 dips, 188 push-ups, 188 sit-ups, 188 up every rep, everything you can do in the gym. We did 188 of it. 188 sprints. Like, believe it or not, reps, suicides, gashes, all of that. It was 188. You know what I'm saying? So we got the point. So for me leading up to that, I said, yo, I don't care if we don't win another game. If we don't win any of the games the whole season, we beating Georgia. You better <laughs> believe that. I'm talking about that's, that was my mindset. And I'm in August, early September. And I'm just looking, I'm looking past everybody. Like, I just want to play Georgia. For me, that was my mindset. And you seen as soon as I got on the field, the first play. You could tell I wanted blood. I wanted blood for me. I wanted blood for my teammates, everything they put us through. Yo, I, we was just wanted, you know. Oh, yeah, then they ran on the field. It was just the disrespect. Yeah, yeah they danced on the field and that stuff. So we had yeah, to see them seven. Yeah. I was like, yo, I remember being out there watching these guys. I was like, what is happening? They charging <laughs> the field. 
So that I almost snapped. That could have got real bad, but yeah. it didn't. I think everybody was surprised. They we didn't really know what was going on until they was actually in the end zone dancing and stuff. So right. I was like, yo. So I we we talked about that the whole offseason. You know, we watched the tape. I know I remember times some of the, my defense guys, we would be watching film just at the house or something, chilling. We like, look at this, man. Look, look how we look. We look like some clowns. They think we're a joke. So you gotta understand the psyche behind that all uh, 365 days. To go in that locker room after they danced on us and ran up and down the field, did what they want. I saw more. I remember sitting in that locker room and just being so embarrassed. After being national champs, then we come out and do that in a mm-hmm. robbery game, and it's my defense. Oh hell no! <laughs> my name on this? Uh uh-uh. uh. Right. No sir. So I had to set the tone, not just for Georgia, but for my teammates to let them know this is how we rocking. This is how I'm rocking. So if y'all ain't, you know what I'm saying, getting on board, it's OB. Right. Like I had to. I had to do that for the Gator. And even the Gator Nation had to go through that for a whole 365 days. You know how it be when the rivalry beat you. Oh, they're going to talk I crap. Know. You got friends or whatever, family that's Georgia fans. They're going to talk trash for 365 days. So I did that for the Gator Nation, for my teammates mostly did for me because I was fed. I, I told you I didn't care the entire season. I didn't care we lost every game. We was going to beat Georgia. Period. So I think we, I think a lot, you know, Mickey Marotti and, and Urban and all those guys, they did a great job of preparing us for those robbery games, yo. For sophomore safety Ahmad Black, the pressure of getting back on even terms with the Bulldogs was offset by the confidence the Gators found in the preceding weeks. By this time, we were having fun. You know, we, uh, we lost that game and it kind of like took the target off our back because I think we started at number five or something like that. And um, it, it took the target off our back. So we, we kind of went out there and just wanted to play football and play for each other and kind of start meshing a little bit around the LSU LSU game, which is when we really started to, start to mess. So, you know, going into the Georgia game by then, you know, we had a revenge on our minds because in 2007 they beat us as well um, when they ran on the field and whatnot. So um, that whole week we were just ready for no San Marino um, and, and AJ Green and Matt Stafford and those guys and, we know they had a great team coming in, and uh, we had to go out there and give it our all because, you know, <laughs> it's nothing like losing to Georgia twice. I, I mean, I, I heard, I heard it sucks. I, I wouldn't know. <laughs> As freshman running back Jeff Demps recalls, no matter how much they were winning or how big the margins were, the coaching staff ensured they stayed grounded. Even though you know we were on that roll, like you know we were still we had to work like we were. We were the last, the, the sorriest team in the country. You know, it was like, oh, well, y'all won. Y'all think y'all hot. Y'all think y'all this. Y'all think y'all that. Y'all ain't nothing. So that's the mindset. Like, even though you can be on this high horse, when you come, it was like you had to grind. You had to get it like, like I said, you was the last place team in the conference. Mm. Like, you, that's, you know, that was the mindset. So it was like, okay, well, you know, you this, but you're going to work like, you know, you this. We, that's how, I think that's how we stayed balanced, man. You know, nobody never let us get complacent especially mm-hmm. after that loss it was like okay well we're gonna work you know we blue collar guys right you know, we work that's all that's all it is we blue collar that's it getting back at georgia wouldn't be easy though as the bulldogs were loaded with future nfl stars in 2008 and had national championship aspirations of their own having entered the year as the favorite by many to hoist the crystal ball while its standing is diminished in the digital age in 2008 it was still a very big deal to grace the cover of sports illustrated which the dogs did leading up to the season. But much like Florida needed a mulligan along the way, so too did Georgia, as their home blackout game against Alabama turned into a black eye for the Bulldogs, with Alabama thumping them 41-30 in Athens in front of College Game Day and the eyes of the nation. 
They recovered by winning three straight, including a convincing 52-38 win over LSU in Baton Rouge that set up Florida-Georgia as a top-10 matchup seen as a toss-up by the experts. Yeah, they were a great team. Uh, if you remember, they won the Sugar Bowl, I believe, the year before. I think their preseason two were in the country. Uh, they had three first-round draft picks on offense with A.J. Green and No. Sean and Stafford. Mm-hmm. Uh, excellent defense, obviously, and and to play in that cocktail party is something. And that, you know, we lost the year before and a terrible loss. And one of the most disrespectful things I can ever remember when that team ran on the field. And, you know, that, that was, I still to this day, I'm not sure I've ever witnessed anything like that, where basically they're, you know, what in, in Georgia, you know, they can say whatever they want to say, but that, that it was, I can't imagine uh, anything like that I've ever witnessed before. And so, and then lose the game on top of that. So our strength coach, myself, our coaches, we took that very personal. That was, there was not a day go by the following year that that wasn't brought up in the weight room and on the practice field. And, uh, that was a person very, got very personal when that happened. Hmm. And our guys, you know, once again, we didn't expect that. And that was most prepared team I've ever been a part of. Wow. I'll say that again. That was the most prepared team. That one thing I remember about that game, you know, I would come down at the pregame meal and I'd usually talk to them before we get on the buses. And as I came and walk, you know, and they usually got to do media or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I walk in the room, our entire, entire team stands up cheering. And, you know, they were so confident, so well prepared. That was the most prepared team I've ever been around. Yeah, yeah, everybody, you know, the guys, especially like the guys who was there to experience that, like there that week, it was no joking around, man. Like I said, they would have to, you know, for spikes, I guess it was the notion Marino in the weight room and, you know, and we were always prepared that way. They would have, you know, different, different signs and things in the weight room. But like I said, the guys who were there to experience it, man, like they were on a different level. And then, you know, of course, the, the underclassmen. You know, we just we just followed in line. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, oh, you know, it's gonna be that type of week. And uh, I I never forget, man. We we're in the um, like the pregame meal, and you know, Urban was you know giving a speech, you know, about the game. And, you know, I think it was Major Wright was the first person to stand up, and then the whole team just st- you know stood up during the middle of the, of the uh, pregame meal, and just went crazy. Like I'm like, man, this is this is different. Like even though like it's so many like even though man, we had like these big moments and these big games, like each one had like their own moments. Especially like Georgia, man, that was when they in that pregame meal, like it was like so much energy in the room, man. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, driving over, you know, going over the bridge, it was so much traffic. I think like the referees were out. Like the referees couldn't even get to the game. Like, they were late. <laughs> Thing they had to get out of the car walking on the bridge like it was so much traffic man i was like oh my goodness <laughs> like that was that was something different like it was you know people outside of the cars you know knocking on the bus like it was it was crazy man like i was like man like just riding up to the stadium mm-hmm. like it was crazy you couldn't even get in so you already knew what kind of kind of game it was gonna be with the stadium at a boiling point and the stakes as high as ever Georgia got the ball first, and on the second play of the game, Brandon Spikes made sure no Sean Reno understood 188 was not going to happen again. From the 15-yard line, back to the nice set. Here's the handoff to Marino. Marino is hit and stuffed. Oh, my! Was he hit immediately by the Gators as they surged right in there. Brandon Spikes hit him right in the chest, and there's going to be a no gain on the play and maybe another loss. That's what coaches call a form tackle. That could be used in a clinic. 
Marino took the ball off the right side, cut back slightly to the left, thought he saw a hole in, in that hole. All of a sudden was Brandon Spikes, helmet under the chin. He was in a great football position with a straight back and knocked him straight backwards. Well, I didn't know what they was going to run. Like like I say, I'm a, I'm a very instinctive player. So, like, I'll notice something. Like, so it's just almost like – it's almost like having a – I don't know. I ain't going to compare it to a photographic memory. But, like, if I see a formation on tape, right, and I watch it over and over, all these reps I get on tape. Like like I said, I, I did a lot of film study, too, as, when I play. Mm -hmm. I don't talk about a lot of that, but – because I feel like that's – part of the game like i don't need you to be like oh he, he studies a lot of film like okay he should and right he, you know what i'm saying like, I hate job. People, like oh <laughs> yeah like that's his job like i hope he put his cleats on and tie him up tight too like what right. you need who comes out there and not study film <laughs> that's crazy to me like a doc you know what i'm saying like right. I, I never i never was that guy but anyway so i had seen the formation i'm like okay normally when they come out of this they like 75 80 percent chance of running the ball and they got two or three plays they run out of this formation right so for me, like I could just look at look at a guy. I think they was like maybe in a high formation, and I'm gonna just read the fullback. So I'm looking at the fullback, and he's looking at like showing me exactly where they gonna go. You know what I'm saying? So I'm like, yo, what is this amateur hour? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like it's the first play. I was like, I'm finna destroy this guy. Like really, they gonna run this? I said, yo, I might as well go ahead and hit. You know what I'm saying? Go on and try to hurt him because that's what I was trying to do. You know what I'm saying? Hey, I'm gonna just keep it real. I, I yeah. was that. You can't play like that now. People be like, "B, why? Why don't you play anymore?" I'm like, "Yo, I would be playing for free. Like, <laughs> what I'm gonna do? Like, I'm good at just hitting people, being aggressive. Right. You can't do all that anymore. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like, that, that that's the dinosaur. You know what I'm saying? That's the dinosaur in me. Like, I would love to play, but what am I gonna do? I'm. What am I good at? Right. I'm good at that. You right. know what I'm saying? I'm a linebacker. I'm supposed to be trying to rip your head off. Right. Now the linebackers don't do all of that. You know what I'm saying? So that hit, I think I, I noticed the formation. I didn't know the play. It was like three, it's probably like three to five plays they could have ran, but mm -hmm. I was it's it's late in the season. You know what I'm saying? These teams, they they who they are, they what they are. You know what I'm saying? They've been running stuff all season. And I seen it and they ran the play. And like I said, you can tell I knew what was happening. Clearly. I, I think I was the only one in. <laughs> Marino ain't even know he knew the play, and I don't even think he knew what was happening. After you know what I'm saying, I thought right. I hit his ass. It's like what the how you get back here that fast? Right. right, and they knew like you notice when I'm on top of them. None of their players tried to get me off of them. They probably was looking like, oh my gosh, this dude just killed our best player <laughs> on the team. I think he was like, I think he was a top running back or whatever. He was doing pretty good. He was running that pretty good the whole season. I was like, yo, this dude is not getting that many yards on us this year. No right. sir. So that play, when I hit, it was kind of like how we was looking when they ran on the field. Everybody had that late reaction, like, okay, this is really happening. How it erupted, how it exploded like that. They probably was like, oh, we in for a long, long day. And it was. <laughs> I remember Eric was throwing bombs. He was still bomb, bombed out. He was still throwing bombs over their head in the fourth quarter. Like, <laughs> That's right. I said, hell yeah, coach. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> you want to talk? You want to get on us all season? We want to see you do some stuff, too. Right, right. Like, He's like... It was like 30, 30 or so. He was throwing it deep. Like, forget it. Cool. As Brandon James and Jeff Demps remember, that hit sent a jolt through the stadium that was felt on the field, the sidelines, and in the stands. Well, you you didn't you didn't have to know because we know spikes and we know again all of us are, are cut from the same cloth. We have we're made up of the same of the same competitive spirit. So spikes went through. 
the same thing we went through that offseason. And he took it personal because he actually was the middle linebacker that Noshawn rushed for all those years, rushed for all those yards on the year before. So when he hit him, we knew, like, Spikes was going to tell him something. He was going to make sure he knew it wasn't none of that today. So he didn't have to come tell me nothing. I knew what he said. I, I knew that it was a lot of curse words and a lot of this and that. And uh, I knew that Noshawn didn't want any of them that day because Spikes wasn't going to let it go down that day. And um, it was special, man. It was, a, it was a real special game. I mean, offensively, we were just going up and down the field. And they couldn't even stop us. So, uh, you know, that was a play that, to me, just swung the momentum of the game and they could never get it back. Oh, that was it. That 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 was telling you like you already knew how we were gonna come, man. Like we coming straight out the gate. We ain't playing no games. It's gonna be a physical game, and this how we coming. And that 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 hit tells it all, man. Like he, I thought he was gonna rip his head off, you know. <laughs> and that I think after that, you know, as, especially as a running back, man, you take a hit like that early, and you like I said, it's the you know one of the first plays I think. Yeah. And you take a hit like that, like it's gonna do something to you, man. And then you look to the side and you just see, like, you know, the energy, the atmosphere, like, and you just know these guys on a mission. It does something to you, you know, and I think that just put fear in those guys' heart, man. I, I honestly do. Like, the rest of the games, like, we just dominated. Like, I, But I think that that hit there put, like, the fear of God in those guys, man. Well, Ahmad Black obviously remembers the blow delivered by Spikes on the second play. He's quick to point out a forgotten part of the story that came one snap earlier. I don't think a lot of people know this. I'm on the first play of the game. They ran a shovel pass, and Cunningham slammed Marino's head into the ground. So that kind of, like, dazed him a little bit. So if you get a chance, go back and watch that first play of the game. He kind of freaking – I mean, Cunningham just power drive his head in the ground. And that was the first play. And the second play was Spikes. So um, Spikes uh, – um, I always give Spikes all the credit about, you know, playing in the box and, you know, what have you. Because me and Spikes played together a lot next to each other. You know, you, you know, I dropped down in that box a lot to, to get next to him, and he taught me everything I need to know. And, and on that playbook right before that, he just – it's like, hey, man, Black, I know the ball coming here. Like, dive, dive, dive. And they freaking came. And it was crazy. Because just imagine, like, you're about to run the ball and you know the other team is calling out your play. You know, how, how, how crazy is that? And you know you're about to get it, and that's the play you're running. The teams traded three and outs at the open. And then after a missed field goal by Georgia, the Gators marched 80 yards over nine plays for the game's first score. 13-yard line. Now here's Tebow, option to the left side, going to give it to Harmon, to the 10, to the 5, there goes Harmon, oh, so easy, oh, so Harmon again, touchdown Florida on a 13-yard run. Florida added a Tebow touchdown before the half to go up 14-3, but the game truly changed early in the second half, as a UGA drive that started at their own 2-yard line progressed all the way to the Gators' 30. Georgia on the drive. First down, the Gators 30, and Stafford again on play action, dropping the throw, and fires the ball off here to the left side. It's intercepted by Joe Hayden. Hayden down the left sideline in midfield. Hayden to the 40, Hayden to the 30. Hayden now in some traffic, stops at the 25, still on his feet to the 20, to the 15, to the 10, and to the 5, and down to the goal line, and he is down to the pylon. Touchdown! No, what about one yard line? My, 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 Joe Hayden. Terrific catch and run, intercepting Stafford in the Gators' first and goal at the Georgia one-yard line. Wow. Tebow would hammer it in from one yard out to make it 21-3, but the score in the day really belonged to the defense, who forced four turnovers and made play after play. Their intensity and ferocity in Jacksonville was par for the course following the Ole Miss game, and Jeff Demps notes the role their dominance played in pushing the offense to pile up points. 
Oh yeah, definitely, man. We you know we definitely fed off the defense, man. The old saying, you know, defense winning championships, you know, offense sell tickets. <laughs> but you know, so it was like we piggybacked off those guys. You know, it was like a comp- like and everything we did throughout the year, even the, the off season, we always competed, right? Offense, defense, offense, defense. We always competed. So I think even in, you know, the season throughout the games, like, okay, the offense did this. All right, defense, what y'all going to do? If we, if we had a bad drive, you know, and the defense, you know, they came up big. It was like competition within ourselves. You know, the defense, you know, they make a stop. Then we got to go down and score. Or we go down and score, the defense got to make a stop. It was all, like, even though we were playing, we was playing the game, we all, Always competed within ourselves because that's how we were trained. You know what I mean? Like I said, throughout the offseason, mm-hmm. we always competed against each other. So, of course, we, you know, the guys would come out and, you know, make plays or, you know, just have good games. It, it definitely motivated us. And we knew that the caliber of guys we had, you know, that mm-hmm. defense was, it was, it was unstoppable, man. You know, we just had to make sure we brought our A game too. You know, we didn't want to get showed up by the defense. So we had to, we had to step up too. The Gator D wasn't done as the unit swelled with confidence and held the Bulldogs to one yard on the next drive, setting up a flurry of daggers late in the third quarter and into the fourth. Harbin in the slot, Cooper wide. Now here's Tebow on play action, looking right, now looking left, and throwing left, deep, long ball, left side, Lewis Murphy, he's got it, touchdown! Oh my, beautiful play, 44 yards, Lewis Murphy, it's 27-3. to from the left hash, there's the stamp to Tebow. Tebow looking to throw, fires the ball, down the end zone, wide open in quarantine, Percy Hyman, touchdown! Oh my, Gators are gonna hit their scoring average for the year, they put 41 on Georgia, it's 41 to three. It'll be 42, Mick, I'm predicting that. With the game clearly over and the 49-10 scoreboard doing most of the talking late in the fourth quarter, the Gators got the ball back and were in position to run out the clock. But Urban Meyer had other ideas, using timeouts after each running play to extend George's misery a little bit longer. A not-so-subtle bit of evening the score with Mark Richt following the shenanigans he ordered the year before. Well, here's the response from Urban Meyer to last year. Taking another timeout to get as much as he can out of this football game. He said, I'll have a response. His response has been 49-10, and I'm calling every timeout I got, and I'm going to finish the game the way I want it. Naturally, it was incredibly well-received by everyone wearing orange and blue in that stadium and around the country. That, t- that tickled me peak, man. I was like, yeah, that's my boy. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that made me proud to be playing for Coach Urban Meyer, man. For <laughs> real. I was like, yeah. Because I did the same thing. You don't try to run and embarrass my team, right. embarrass me on national TV. You know I'm a, I'm, a, I'm throwing bombs all the way into the last <laughs> second on the clock. I'm telling you, I swear. But he, when he did that, he was, I seen that little smirk on his face. I said, yeah, he did that for us. He <laughs> let us know. You know what I'm saying? He got our back. We just had his back. We just showed him. You know what I'm saying? Right. We just went out and took care of business. You know, so that was kind of like a salute. From him to all his ballers, all his soldiers, like, yeah, I got y'all. I'll let y'all know. Because he, he, you know what I'm saying? I'm pretty sure he got it bad, too. Because those guys, he got to win those big games, too. Oh, yeah. He got to win it. Like, he wouldn't be legendary if he didn't win all those big games he don't want. That's very true. He got, he got a saying, man. You say this to us all the time. Some do, some don't. Mm-hmm. It's that simple. Ahmad Black trusted Meyer would get his digs in, but didn't necessarily know how until it actually happened. Yeah, we, 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 we had to throw some shade because, you know, um, but we but we did it in a way 
that, you know, it, it, it was legal. You know, we, we, we called our timeouts. We can't go home with them. So <laughs> um, I think before the year before that, when Mark Rick was saying that he didn't tell his guys to do that, his guys already said that he, he, he told them to get a personal file. So, you know, he's still hiding, hiding behind that. But whatever, you know, it was over where they did all that. No, still no championship. So, Not only did Brandon James love it at the time, but he's even taken inspiration from it in his own coaching career. Well, Coach Meyer, again, he, you know, he's one of those guys that he, he, he's going to find a way. You don't know what he's going to do, but he's going to find a way. And he's, very, he's definitely a coach that coaches with class and all that good stuff there. But again, the guy basically told his whole field to run on the team the year before. because So, of, co- of course, Coach Meyer felt some type of way. And he let us know he felt some type of way leading to that game. Because, again, he came up with all these stories about how he was going to punch him in the mouth pregame. And he was going to do X, Y, and Z and all this stuff here. And, of course, he's joking. He's trying to motivate us. But that was his way of getting back at him. And, again, as a coach, now today I've been coaching for some years. You know, it's one of those things that I, you know, I respect Coach Meyer. To, you know, I, I, te- I texted him when I got my info, you know, information about me going into the Hall of Fame and I told him how much I appreciate him how much I respect him because of a moment like that like he did he he wasn't too he wasn't too good he wasn't too oh, I'm gonna be the I'm gonna take the high road no this guy disrespected <laughs> me the year before so I'm gonna disrespect him so he burnt all those timeouts and we loved it man and so still to this day you know I actually have a story when I coached and I had you know I was coaching little league at the table's middle school but, you know, a, a, an opponent did something to us. So the year before, I made sure I ran the score up the next year. And I had all these people telling me all this stuff. I'm like, look, man, Urban Meyer, if Urban Meyer could did it, why can't Brandon James do it? Because he, <laughs> he's, the, he's the GOAT of coaching. Like, so if the GOAT, you know, if he's classless, then, I, you know, I don't care if you call me classless. Because, you know, Coach Meyer did it. <laughs> Here's Jeff Demps. It wasn't planned that, that I knew of. Like, uh, of course, you know, he wanted to get the score – of the game, I guess, wasn't enough for him. You know what I mean? So, you know, to call the timeouts to kind of dig the hole deeper. But, uh, you know, after a while, you, you know, you kind of understood. Like, okay, we see what's going on. But, you know, you, how can you be mad? You know, right. you know, payback is a B, man. Mm-hmm. You know, okay, y'all want to stay on the field. You know, this year, this is what we got for you. Right. You know, take that, you know. <laughs> As for how another coach may have approached revenge in that situation, well, the head ball coach has a different way to serve that dish. Oh, we wouldn't have been taking timeouts. We might have been firing at the end zone. No, <laughs> no. We, uh, of course, the game up there at Georgia in 95 when uh, we scored with, oh, a minute or two left. I don't know what it was, but we had Eric Kresser, our backup in, and actually Travis McGriff caught the little quick screen touchdown pass that uh, took us over 50. So we had our backups in there, but I remember oh, about the second or third time uh, we played Georgia, they were complaining because we, we put our first team defense back on the field when they were driving late in the game. We had a huge lead, and the, and the Georgia players were saying something about it. They were trying to run the score up on us. And so we wanted to make sure if they said that it was for the truth that we were trying to run the score up on. But no, when Florida plays Georgia, there's no niceness. There's no give a damn what we do, and we don't give a damn what you do. So uh, after we started scoring, you know, 38 and 45 and 50 on Georgia, they, they quit talking about running up the score. When the Gators ran out of timeouts and the clock expired, Relief and elation were the overwhelming emotions as Florida stayed on track for all of their goals while derailing their rivals' chance to do the same. 
Not to be forgotten was how they shut down Sean Moreno as the Gators met the moment by limiting him to just 65 yards on 17 carries, nearly a third of the 188 he gobbled up the year prior. As Ahmad Black remembers, team redemption was matched by individual milestones as well. Oh, I felt amazing. Because I mean, at 07, I really had, I think I had like one tackle on the kickoff. It was like, I didn't contribute as much as I was supposed to. Um, I just know in 08, I played every snap just about until the end of the game and it took us out. So um, I was able to pick off Matt Stafford, the eventual number one uh, uh, draft pick in the, in, in the NFL draft, and take it back 60, 60 plus yards. And should have got to the end zone if I had a little bit more speed. But, you know, <laughs> um, but, you know, just seeing those guys that, that don't usually play come in the game and still light up the scoreboard, man, it was awesome. Brandon James didn't take any offense at the storming of the field in 2007, but similarly makes no bones about how it came full circle in 2008. I, I joke with my coaches, like, we can't get mad if the other team wants to blow us out and go for two and onside kick over and over. Like, it's our job to stop them from doing it. Mm-hmm. So once they celebrated on us, I didn't feel any type of way because I didn't feel disrespected or anything because, again, I'm one of those people. Like, if I have success on you, I might celebrate or I might, you know, show my behind a little bit. So when Martin Ritt chose to do that, I was like, okay. But, you know, we again, we heard about that all offseason. We had to hear about it. We got to see the video all offseason. So when Spikes hit Sean Marino that first play and basically lost his mind on top of him and basically told him that it wasn't going to be none of that today, from that moment on, we knew we were going to blow him out. On our next episode... Florida finishes strong and stares down the first squad in Nick Saban's soon-to-be Alabama dynasty. Until then, I'm Adam Schick, giving a special thanks to production assistant Eli Rosen and to all of you for joining us for the latest installment of Gator Tales, Gator Greats.